This week on the podcast, wow, no pun intended. Peter Chap is the co-founder of the Wow Company. They have released their largest agency benchmarking report to date. This year, partnering with MailChimp, they canvassed opinions of over 1,700 agencies to understand how COVID affected their businesses, how certain agencies responded, from a lot of them going inwards on themselves to those who actually chose an opposite approach of investing wisely, spending wisely, and the contrasting results between those agencies is absolutely fascinating. This is a must-listen-to conversation if you want to benchmark your agency against the best in the business. If you are interested in such things as how COVID has affected agency businesses, what the most surprising elements of this year's survey were, if you're interested in how the best agencies responded to the crisis and the general mood of agencies across the country, then you will find this conversation to be absolutely fascinating. By the way, we don't usually release two episodes a week, as you know, but this one is just so good, we really couldn't hold it back. So enjoy it. And without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Peter Chap. My special guest this week is Peter Chap. He is the co-founder of The Wow Company, one of the fastest growing accountancy practices in the UK. He is also the co-founder of the Agency Collective, which helps ambitious agency owners grow faster through an online community, events and insight and support. It's now the largest membership organization for independent agency owners in the UK. Peter also runs BenchPress, the largest benchmarking survey of independent agency owners in the UK. And this year it has gone global, which you'll tell us a lot more about shortly. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Peter Chap, welcome back to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure having you back on the show. Thank you very much for your time. A lot has happened since the last time that we spoke, a little pandemic and a number of uh, sort of a lot of economic turmoil in agency land. So I'm really excited to sort of understand sort of what you're seeing from your point of view and kind of we can just discuss what we're seeing as well, because obviously we speak to a lot of agency owners. Tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing with agencies for those that aren't familiar. So, so this all started 17 years ago when I set up WOW, the accountancy practice. And I guess I've always had this fascination with business and trying to work out what it is that it takes um, to, to be successful in, in business. And over the years uh, at WOW, we've specialized in working with agencies. And you know, I've had the privilege of working with some incredible agencies. And I've always been fascinated by the difference between those that do achieve fast growth and make lots of profit and those that find it a real a real challenge and this fascination obviously you know i had the data in, in the accounts but uh, i guess i was looking for more clues because it's not just those numbers in the accounts that provide clues to to success there's so much more to it than that and so i started interviewing agency owners and i started gathering um other data points and started surveying them in, in 2012 so this is year number nine of, of bench press and uh, it's incredible to see how it has grown since 2012, where we asked just a handful of questions, you know, a tiny few questions. This year, uh, we'll be producing two 50-page reports for UK agencies, one for uh, agencies above a million and one for agencies below a million fee income. We're also producing reports for agencies globally and also for freelancers. So that tiny little report that started off in, in 2012 has grown and grown and grown. But everything that I'm doing is in pursuit of the same thing is I'm constantly searching for what it takes to be successful. 
and then sharing what I discover. Because what I, what I discover changes as the world evolves and we all change. Uh, and sharing that with everyone is, is my great passion. And I'm so pleased to be able to do that through uh, conversations like this and through the work that I do with Bench Press and also through some of the insights that we share with the agency collective members. That's ultimately where I get my joy from is, is sharing those info, insights because I know how much a difference it, it can make to people. So, so far this year, I think you've had a record number of people take part in, in Bench Press. I'd be fascinated to know what are some of the most interesting or surprising things that you've learned so far? I know the data is still, still coming in about how agency owners are feeling and thinking right now. You know, we've had 12 months of this pandemic uh, in the beginning, there was a shock and awe. I think a lot of people were just putting budgets on hold and a lot of agency owners were sort of scrambling. I think towards the back end of the year, as far as uh, the agency owners that I've spoken to, a lot of them have rebounded and they've, they've seen a lot of innovation in their own in, um, agencies. And I think a lot of clients have helped support them. What has been most surprising to you about the way agency owners are thinking and feeling right now? And, and tell us about some of the early stats. So what's, what I find really interesting is uh, people's perceptions of, of 2020, because we asked a very simple question in our survey this year, which is, how would you describe what you achieved as a business? And broadly speaking, there, were, there was a neutral option, we did okay, and then there were two negative options and uh, two positive options. And the overwhelming response was a positive one, which I suppose surprised me. Um, in fact, 26% of agency owners described what they achieved in 2020 as their best year ever, right? Their best year ever, which wow. you wouldn't have expected to hear that from um, someone after going through what we've been through in 2020. A global pandemic. Yeah. Right. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I think when uh, when the pandemic hit, there were there was real fear as, as, as you as you mentioned and a lot of agencies are just pleased to still be here right and therefore that naturally puts a more positive spin on uh, the year that um uh, that, that's just occurred but i guess there's also a second part to that story and the second reason why there's that positive sentiment or more positive sentiment than i was expecting is that when this hit it forced a lot of agency owners to do things that perhaps they should have done long ago and I saw so much rapid innovation in, in, in all sorts of areas, in areas like, you know, I saw people reshaping their teams and their structures, rethinking about how they win clients, relooking at their business model and their profitability and how they manage their staff and their projects and really everything in, in their business. And suddenly things that were on their to-do list suddenly got done and they got done very, very quickly. And towards the end of the year, I heard a lot of agencies sort of quietly whispering, daring not to really go public with it, but saying like, actually, this has been a really good thing for our for our business because it's forced us to do a load of things we ought to have done long ago. And I think that's the reason why so many of you in 2020 is a positive experience. And I think there's clues there as to what what we can do going going forward. I think the reason so many are in a positive position is because they they were bold in their decision making and they made some decisions uh, swiftly and de decisively and the danger I think we face is that as we emerge from this we forget the importance and the value of making those bold swift decisive decisions look 
we don't want to go through the stress of, of what we went through last year, you know, to force us to do it again. But how can we get a little bit of that that urgency, that that sense of uh, or requirement for immediate innovation, so we don't just sit back, relax, and then slip back into the old habits? And I think that's a really interesting challenge that that we're all facing because I think there's a little bit of fatigue going on right now, and perhaps less of an appetite for some of those those bold decisions and, and big change. But I guess the question I have for everyone listening to this and everyone when you read the, the results when, they, when they're published on, on the 18th of March is, okay, when you look at these stats, when you look at what's going on in your agency, what are the, some of the, the big decisions that you want to make this year to, to ensure that, you know, if last year wasn't your best year yet, then this year will be. You know, what are some of the things you're going to look back on at the end of 2021 and think, do you know what? I'm really glad I, I did that because I promise you there are plenty of things that agency owners are looking back on 2020 and saying, I'm really glad that I did that. Tell us what stats stand out for you from this report this year. Okay, so just looking back on, on last year, uh, some of the stats that, that stood out was actually, well, despite that positive sentiments, there's a lot of agencies that, that really struggled to grow. And, and in fact, more agencies uh, failed to grow than in any year since we've been uh, tracking bench press. So this was a really challenging year, make no mistake about it. But there's some hints of good news in there. 32% actually managed to, to grow their teams. And, and in terms of looking ahead for, for growth, 91% of larger agencies, so we class larger agencies as those above a million, um, 91% of larger agencies are planning to recruit and 76% of smaller agencies are planning to recruit this year as well. So confidence is starting to return, which is which is really, really good. Now, there are there are three areas um, of, of stats or groups of stats that really interest me. And I'm going to share a little bit about each one individually. So what we were really curious to explore is what this pandemic had done to our way of working. And undoubtedly, we are going through a uh, a really significant change in the way that we work. And we asked a very simple question in, in our survey, which was what happened to productivity uh, when we were all first forced to work from home? And whilst 18% said it actually decreased, you know, 23% of agencies, it's nearly one in four, actually say that productivity increased as a result of, of working from home, which I think is really interesting. Um, now, some other interesting things going on there in, in the report, and I can't reveal these stats just yet. So forgive me for teasing, but um, it, it's worth waiting for if you wait till, till the 18th of March. But we wanted to look at how many agencies are actually completely ditching their offices. So this move to remote working, uh, what has this done to, to agency offices? And I'll be revealing exactly how many have already or plan to ditch their offices as a result of uh, COVID, which I think is really... You can't tease us like that, Peter. Come well, I'm gonna on. Have, I am. Give no, us no, no. something. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you this one, but I'm going to tease you on the next one. All right. Um, but okay. So I'll tell you. So 18% of agencies are ditching the offices as a result of COVID. And that's on top of the one... Wow. Yeah. One in five. That's on top of the ones that didn't have an office already. Sure. So as a result of COVID, COVID an additional... 18% of agencies, 18, will be ditching their offices, um, which I think is really interesting. Now, for those that retain an office, there is a shift in the way that we recruit because we're so used to doing stuff like we're doing now, talking remotely. And we're so used to having video, video calls with clients now 
And even, you know, plenty of agencies have hired people without uh, meeting them face to face. It's all been done remotely. And so this is becoming the norm and, and it's opened up a, an opportunity, a talent opportunity, because now all of a sudden you don't need to hire people within a commutable distance to your office. You can hire anyone, anywhere in the world. And that is an incredible opportunity. It's also an interesting threat because now all of a sudden your team, um, well, you're not just competing with the other agencies uh, around you for that talent. You're competing with every agency in the, in the world. The globe. Yeah. So you're going to need to think about your people retention strategy more than you've ever done before. Like it was hard before to keep your top talent right and keep them interested. And, and this report reveals the things uh, because we actually we partnered with another organization. We partnered with um, Mentally Healthy and Never Not Creative in asking some questions to employees of agencies, 1500 employees of agencies. And we asked them what it is that's important to you. Uh, in terms of retention and on that list were all the usual things that that us as employers uh, think are, are important like you know flexible working and yoga classes and uh, free fruit and stuff like that but actually that was quite the way down the list of priorities for people okay. and what was at the top um, will be revealed in, in the report but it's something when you see this it's a stat that you're going to you're going to change your behavior. I absolutely guarantee it. It's an opportunity for for us to invest in a particular area that will help our retention. So so going back to this, this double-edged source of um, being able to recruit people from further afield provides an opportunity for sure, because now we have a global talent pool, but it provides a, a little bit of a, a threat. We will have to think differently about how we retain staff. Let's put it this way. I can give you a hint as to where this is going. If you currently uh, recruit people only within a commutable distance to your office, you will soon be in the minority. You will soon be in the minority. Wow. So that gives you an indication of where this is heading as we're still collating, the, collating all the data. But if if you're thinking, well, no, I'm only going to recruit within a commutable distance to, to my office, then I think that puts you at a disadvantage and soon you will be in the minority. So so let's talk a, a bit about that in a bit more depth then, because while I agree with you, yes, we we can recruit from anywhere and competition with other agencies around the world increases for talent. There is an issue that a lot of agency owners have said to me, uh, or at least voiced in terms of, well, if I am recruiting remotely and I don't get a chance to meet this person, how do I integrate them into our team? Our culture is so important. How do we maintain that culture when we have a dispersed team? They're, they're in you know many different parts of the UK, many different parts of the world. How have you seen the best agencies kind of get to grips with that issue of hiring people, talent from all over the world, yet still keeping a hold of that culture that's so important to them? So I always look for, for clues in this is to people who have done this before. And I would encourage anyone thinking who's, who's struggling with this to go and find people who, who've, who've done it well. Now, we've got a couple of clients at WOW who've run remote agencies from day one, uh, well before the pa pandemic. There's there's a um, an agency client of ours who's been doing this for the best part of a, a, a decade. Um, and what they do really well is like, all of the things that, that we've got used to doing in terms of you know, team catch ups and things, but they they physically bring people together 
um, once a month in, in their case from all across, across Europe. So their team works all across Europe and they bring them together a physical location for uh, a whole day. And they kind of use that day and night to uh, not just share information, but build relationships and, and run various various sessions. And sometimes um, this spills over into a couple of days. I think once a quarter, it becomes a, a couple of days or maybe even a three day event as they uh, look at more strategic issues. So I think for those of you thinking about how to, to manage this, it doesn't necessarily need to be done in a completely remote way. There are opportunities where you can be, bring people together uh, periodically that helps you build that culture and, and reinforces it. But um, it's not going to be the same as when you all were in an office. Of course it's not. Uh, but there are several advantages to having this remote way of, of working. I'd encourage you to embrace those and try and find ways to, to bridge the gap to some of the things that, that, that are missing. Uh, you know, at the moment, it's really hard because this isn't a real sort of true test of, of the remote working because it's it's an experiment being run when we're being deprived of a lot of other physical contact. And um, I think once we're able to get back to a point where we're able to meet our friends and interact, you know, see our, see our parents, you know, do hug someone. Hug Soon, someone, hopefully. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but think, think, think about that. Then I think a lot of our, our teams are uh, are really desperately missing that physical contact. And once that can be, it, we're we have that again with other human beings, and when we can socialize as normal, well, I wonder how big a deal it will be not to have an office. Mm. And I think that's the thing we all need to to think about is. This experiment isn't isn't a real world experiment, or in the world that I think we're going to be living in, as we as we as we emerge from this. Sure. So I think it's incumbent upon all of us to think about what business we want to build, and how the culture we want to build within it, and then what's the most effective way of of doing that, and how we can embrace the best of both worlds, both the physical and the digital. So then you raise an interesting point about the future. What should the 12, next 12 months look like for an agency owner? What should they be looking at? What should they be focusing on? What are the most important things you think, from your perspective, that agency owners should be looking at over the next 12 months? Oh, gosh, there's lots. So a big section of this report covers pricing and profitability, and, and the two are so closely linked. And I think we should always look profitability is always important there's never been a time when profitability has not been important but there was a couple of stats that stood out for me in this report so 61 percent of agencies took funding in in 2020 or took additional funding in in 2020 and that has created an an additional cash flow burden as that money is paid back and so it's really important more important than ever that we have profitable business models that our business models are sustainable and that the work we're doing pays the bills and not only pays the bills, but pays the bills and any debt that we need to, to pay back. So it's really important that we look at profit. You look at your pricing, you look at the sort of projects that you, you're winning and try and find your profit sweet spot. The things that clients disproportionately value of yours. You know, there's there's clues all around you. So one of the questions we asked in the survey was, 
we ask all sorts of questions around pricing, like how you price and whether you discount and uh, your hourly rates and whether that's blended rate or uh, tiered pricing. We share all of this in, in the report. But one of the final questions we asked on pricing was, what's the highest hourly rate you've ever charged? And what was it for? Mm. Now, if you think about that question for your own agency, what was the highest hourly rate that you've ever charged? And what work was that for? And what was the second highest hourly rate and the third? And go on this journey and see if you can spot a thread. What are your most profitable projects? What are your most profitable clients? What is the work that you're doing that is most highly valued? And how can you get more of it? It's really that simple. If we work out what it is that we want, we can then try and uh, put plans in place to get more of it. So many agencies are just not doing this analysis, analysis, not going through that thought process. For example, only one in three actually measure profitability by service offering. You know, I'm a big fan of actually breaking down your profitability by service offering. I remember uh, speaking to a client of ours who didn't do this. They, they were a, they had two parts of their business. They did design and build websites and they did SEO. And they were a reasonably reasonable sized business, had about 30 staff. And it was a roughly 50-50 split in revenue. And we'd been talking to them for ages, telling them to, to, to split this, this revenue. And eventually we, we managed to persuade them to, to do it. And we showed them the data. And it was really clear. One half of their business made money and the other one didn't. SEO made all the money and the website build didn't make any money. And when faced with this information, the decision was instantaneous. Mm. It was so easy. He, he just turned around and said, well, I get it now. I, mm. I, like web builds lead to SEO work, but if a web build doesn't lead to SEO work, then there's no point in doing it. It's mm. literally no point. It's a waste of time. We don't make a penny on it. All that kerfuffle for nothing. <laughs> so we will do your website, but only if it leads to an SEO retainer and that is sold up front. And armed with that information, it just transformed his business, transformed his profitability. And you know, two thirds of, of agency owners currently do not have that level of detail. They are not able to work out their profitability by department. They're not able to work out their profitability by even by client or by individual. So the it's worth going into the detail here because there's information that you don't currently have that if you did have, you would behave differently. And I wouldn't you wouldn't even need to think too hard about it. It's one of those things that once you see the data, you can't unsee it. Sure. Right. I, I wouldn't need to tell you what to do. You would know in an instant and you would do it. And I guess my challenge to everyone listening to this is how can you go deeper with this? Whatever level you're at, whether you're a, a small agency and you, you know, you've just got a few staff and you're just starting out, what's the next level for you? What stat are you not measuring that if you did, you think could make a difference? And by the way, there'll be clues in, in this report, lots of them, 50 pages of them. And if you're a larger agency, uh, so I, I don't know, you're two or three million and you're sat there thinking, well, I've got a, I've got a lot of stats. What's the next level for you? How can you eke out that extra one or two percent in profitability that will take you to the next level? That's my challenge for everyone listening to this is there is always the next level. And what is it for you? OK, final question before we get into our favorite questions at the end of the interview, which we ask all of our guests. How do people get involved in, in Bench Press this year? I mean, the, the date is uh, fast upon us. Um, 18th of March, I think it is. If you're an agency owner and you haven't taken part yet, what do you do? How do you do it? 
the best thing that you can do because it is so close to the the launch date is just come along to the launch event and we, we'll share the link with you in the the description of this and you can uh, just click that link you can, it's free to come along it's an online event and uh, you can have your mind blown by by all of the stats now if having seen all of those stats you then want to subsequently take take part in the survey i know it might seem strange to take part in a survey when we've already published the results but there is a reason why you will want to do this and the reason is that later on this year for the first time ever we're going to be publishing local benchmarks because particularly with the pricing data you know i'm really intrigued to see and i know everyone else is as well is how how i compare to other agencies locally you know if i'm an agency in manchester or newcastle or brighton or uh, Bristol, how do I compare to those uh, my peers, you know, those around me? Um, and likewise, if I'm in London, how do I compare to, to my peers in London? And so we'll be publishing regional benchmarks, but you can only get hold of these. So the main report will be available to everyone, but you can only get hold of your regional benchmarks if you take part in the survey. So for now, um, I'd encourage you to come along to the launch and just immerse yourself in the world of, of benchmarks and these incredible stats. So just click the link, come along, it's free. And then after that, once you get started, you'll be hooked. You'll want to go on a journey with this because, you know, I know people who, who've read these reports over the years and it has transformed their agency. And the reason it's transformed their agency is because they've looked at a stat and thought, I'm in the bottom 25% for that stat. <laughs> I'm not a bottom 25% agency. I'm going to do right. something about it. Sure. Or they've looked at the top 10% and gone, how on earth are they getting away and charging that? Or mm. how are they achieving that level of profitability? And they've got curious about it. Mm. And it's that, that curiosity that will take you on a journey to great things. And that is what this report can, can do for you. And that is why I'm so excited about it. It's the power of benchmarking. It is magic. We will put a link in the description so everyone that hasn't filled it out can attend. Let's get into everyone's favorite questions now. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. So I'm super excited to ask you a few of them as well. I'm going to change it from the last time that you were on the show because you answered some, which I'm not going to ask you the same one. So I'm going to cherry pick some different ones. You have no idea what's coming. Um, what do you do to keep mentally and physically fit? Uh, do you know what? I recognize the importance of this, like absolutely crucial. In the first lockdown, I was working flat out as a lot of people were and a, a I spoke to a client and he just said to me, he just said, Peter, you are no good to me if you're burnt out and knackered. Mm. So just remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint, the path to yourself. And um, thank you, Matthew, for that advice. If you are listening, uh, I took it and I've always prioritized my just looking after myself, because how on earth can you look after other people if you can't look after yourself? So number one in my regime is sleep. Mm. absolutely number one get eight hours of sleep a night don't don't try and cut it there's a book that i read last year uh, called why we sleep by matthew walker brilliant and once book. you read that book you will never cut sleep again yeah yeah <laughs> it could have been like a few hundred pages shorter basically sleep eight hours a day and don't cut out on it right like that's basically the message but also there's an there's another message that i thought was really fascinating in it he basically said which really kind of hit me as soon as i read it i was like yeah it makes so much sense he he talked about the idea that um you know from an evolutionary perspective if you believe in the theory of evolution that um if evolution could take out eight hours of sleep when human beings are at their most vulnerable it would have done that millions of years ago, right? The fact that it's still with us today 
and we have to sleep eight hours means that it is fundamental <laughs> to yeah. who we are because everything else that we don't need, evolution has gotten rid of it a long time ago. So as soon as I read that, I was like, yeah, it makes so much sense. Brilliant book. Yeah, awesome. So num num number one, sleep. And then, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've retained, you know, my fitness regime. I've got a personal trainer. We've been doing Zoom calls three times a week. But the, the other big thing for me in terms of staying mentally healthy is I love my walks in nature. I, I make sure that I go out for a walk if I can every day, like weather permitting every day. It's something that we've encouraged our team to do, actually. We um, we borrowed a uh, an idea from a client of ours. So the, the brilliant team at Manifest introduced something called Daylight Savings Hour uh, because what they noticed was, uh, similar to what we noticed with our team, is that in the first lockdown, which was spring and summer, we got to the end of the day and we were able to go out for a, for a walk. The sun was shining and the birds were singing and that was wonderful. You get to October and you get to three o'clock and you look outside and it's a bit dark and gloomy and you, you can easily go a whole week with never leaving the house yeah, and that is can. not good. So we implemented a thing where between 12 and one every single day, you can't do internal meetings, you can't get on Slack, you can't send emails, you can't phone people internally you get out and you go for a walk. And, and that is so important. So it's something that uh, we've encouraged our team to do. It's something that I do. And every day, weather permitting, I, I get out uh, and it's um, it does me the world of good. So just really simple things. I love I love being in nature. I love listening to the birds. Like I really love listening to the birds and just wandering around, um, just looking at the wonderful world that we live in. It, it fills me with so much joy. Amazon Prime, Netflix, Disney Plus, what are you watching or streaming that's good? I have a, a seven-year-old daughter, so my my viewing habits are heavily influenced by by her. Mm. Do you know what? We love the Muppets. We love watching the Muppets. I can't get enough of the Muppets. Are the Muppets still around? Yeah. So they've done some new ones. Um, Ricky Gervais did... did um, just done a new one, Muppets Most Wanted. I can't believe I'm talking about the Muppets. And then we've gone back and looked at all the old back catalogues. We watched the Muppets Take Manhattan the other day, which is Liza Minnelli in it um, and some other famous people from the 80s. And it's just funny and silly and wonderful. There's just something kind of funny about Kermit the Frog and the way he talks and the way that Miss Piggy really wants to marry him um so we find that hilarious so there we go my recommendation the muppets it will make you smile some things just never get old do they uh and my final question peter what is it you know about growing a, an agency today that you wish you knew at the very beginning of your career so the, the one piece of advice i'd always give myself going back and i'd give to anyone is that um it's just to enjoy the journey, just to enjoy the journey, because whatever stage you are at, there are gonna be challenges. I guarantee it, there are going to be challenges. And it's it's only as you go through those challenges, do you start to realize um, that the, the, there's a magic going on here. You know, running a business, working and collaborating with clients, uh, building a team, watching them work together and all of the challenges that, that go with that is there is something beautiful and wonderful about that and when times are challenging it's really important to to embrace those challenges and to trust that things work out because what I've discovered over the last 17 years is that 
things always do work out in the end and and every challenge creates a wonderful opportunity so the thing that i wish i knew back then is uh, or, or could feel deep down because you can know that intellectually like i could tell it to myself or i could t- i'm saying it now to the people listening but i just want everyone to really feel that and believe it that whatever challenges you are facing right now uh, it's okay it will work out and it will work out for the better. In fact, it will work out better than you could possibly have imagined because we are very good at imagining worst case scenarios and not quite so good at imagining best case when times are tough. So if you are experiencing a tough time, I just encourage you to to trust it's it's gonna get better and um, whatever stage you're at, just enjoy the journey because what we are doing every day is, is truly a beautiful thing and should be celebrated. Great place to end. We have been speaking with Peter Chap. He is currently the co-founder of the Agency Collective and the Wow Company. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please head over to Apple iTunes where you can listen to over 116 conversations we've had now with world-class leaders in the agency world. Please leave us a review. Email me at nathan at agencydealmasters.com. We would be unable to do this show without our very own dealmasters. Christoph Blaschek is our editor. Ahmed Ahmed is our booker slash project manager. Tyler Bella is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. <laughs>